Reports that Russian hackers are hoarding more than one billion stolen passwords raises the question, how dangerous is that? Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of Information Security Media Group, and I'm here with David Perry. He's threat strategist for F-Secure. Welcome, David. Uh, thank you, Eric. So the um, yes, the uh, we you know we hear this all the time. It's as a, this is a typical malware story. We hear a story that X ethnic, it's the Chinese are doing this, the Russians are doing this, has done this, and it's true enough. It, there's a whole world of cyber players. Most of the big cyber hacks are coming out of the BRAC countries, Brazil, Russia, India, and China. But when Russians issue a piece of malware, you know, it could have, that piece of malware could have been written under contract by a corporation in India. A lot of the Russian tr criminal stuff that we see happens, happens with that. Now the problem is, they may have grabbed a billion passwords, but if they grab them, what do they want to use them for? So what they're doing right now is assessing their intelligence on what passwords they have and deciding what can be done with them. Most people are owned, and you know that's spelled P-W-N-E-D, most people are owned one way or another in this world. The world of cybersecurity is by and large breached, but how do we, how does the bad guys use this? What, what profit can be made to resell your password to somebody else? And what crime can be committed once that happens? Is this something that's going to be difficult for them to, to do? Well, it's, it's something that we see them do on a regular basis. If you were to go to the cyber underground, there is literally a bazaar of stolen data out there. And it's credit card numbers and biographical data and passwords and so on. But it's when it gets assembled into a dossier that it becomes actually valuable. And so what, what, what kind of uh, skills do, the, do, do these hackers have or the people they sell the, the, these uh, passwords to, to create those dossiers? Well, they need to know who are you associated with. So they might take a look at who you get email from or what company you are employed by or who your friends are on Facebook or whatever they can do to get telemetry of how you are connected because oftentimes it's not you yourself that they're after. It's your brother-in-law's connection to Lawrence Livermore Laboratories for example. That's what we hear about advanced persistent threats. Frequently an advanced persistent threat is attacking not you, but your connections in the world. So here they have passwords. Now obviously the passwords are going to be associated with certain accounts. So they're going to take these accounts and the information from that and then using the passwords get into things and then to discover who you're connected to? Well yes, not only that, but the, the, generally speaking the people who steal the data are not the people who use the data. So they steal the data repackage it, analyze it, bundle it up, you know, here's 5,000 passwords for X dollars and resell it to other groups of criminals. Everybody's loath to be the, the last guy who actually lifts the money or does the breaking and entering because that's actionable cr criminal activity. So it's harder to do than you might think it is. It involves having a mule to take the money out of the country, for example. So the last mile is the hardest part of the crime. The stealing your password, that's the easy part. Is this something people should be very concerned about, the, the, this number one billion? Well, number one billion is, is how it gets into the top line media. It'll be in Time Magazine for sure, and the New York Times for sure because of that, and all of the television networks. But the, the real thing I would like you to know 
is that, you know, breaches in the, on the order of 10 million, 12 million, 30 million are every week kind of things. There are billions and billions and billions of compromised nodes in the internet and in the internet of things. So what we're looking at is a world where virtually every step between your computer and the cloud has already been breached. So with all of that insecurity, it would behoove you to approach your computer knowing that it's insecure from the, from the get-go. Does that make sense? I understand what you're saying, so let me just further that line of thought. Okay, assume you're a chief information security officer as some kind of organization. You hear something like that. Does that change what you do? Well, it, it, you, we go back to intelligence. You go back to the kind of intelligence analysis that they do in governments. You start by classifying the orders of data that you have. If you've got the secret for the bomb that's going to kill the entire world, for God's sake, don't put it on a computer in the first place. If what you've got is your grandmother's cookie recipe, you might be fine with a firewall and an antivirus software. See, but the, the thing is, you need to have awareness in regard to the kind of data that you're protecting. Is there a positive spin from this kind of news? No, not really. Actually, there is. We know that this is happening. That tells us that our countermeasures, to some extent, are working in the world. And if you want to find out more, I would say go to, you know, one of the blogs that explains these. We have a very good labs blog at F-Secure. Or go to, you know, whatever vendor you're working with and go to their labs blog and read about it. You can get the analysis of how this particular exploit worked, but you've got to realize that the scale of the bad guys has ramped up to where they're doing research as well. So you're unlikely to see exactly the same attack ever happen in the same way ever again in the future. Thank you, David. Thank you. I've been speaking with David Perry of F-Secure. This is Eric Chabro. Thanks for listening.